Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. I do want to welcome our online viewers and those that are listening via the podcast, maybe at some point during the week. Hope Covenant, would you put your hands together and welcome our online viewers and listeners. We consider it an honor to have you and consider you a part of this family. We say it every week, and I'll say it again, that if you're ever in the Charlotte area, stop on by. We'll make you feel right at home. If you guys have the spirit of hospitality and agree with that, would you say, yeah, that, amen. Yeah, that's us. Well, this morning, I do want to open in prayer and welcome the Lord, and I want us to all take a deep breath and get our minds off of the hustle bustle and really give God 30 to 35 minutes of just our direct attention because I've been praying that these would not just be words that would give you an intellectual knowledge, but that your spirit would be loaded as we encounter the Lord through his word this morning. And so I want to just bow our heads in prayer and welcome the Lord. And we're going to dig into the return of Jesus part two. Father, we welcome your presence. And Lord, we know that Jesus, you're on your way. And we're excited about this, Father. And we welcome your presence this morning. We ask you to speak to us, Father, as we learn and we dig in. I thank you, Lord, that you would pour out revelation and understanding as we look at your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that they would not hear my voice, but directly hear your voice as we dig into your word. We thank you that it doesn't return void, but, Father, that it fills us up and that it's a double-edged sword. It's, 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 it's even sharper than that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you shout amen. Amen. Now, we started this series last week, and the emphasis on last week, the return of Jesus, part one, was that this is really a love story, and that if we're in Christ, man, this is a good word for you. If you know Jesus, and you have Jesus dwelling within you, this is encouraging. His return is a good thing for you. If you don't know Jesus, I couldn't have worse news for you, that you really need to know Jesus. That's the good news. That's the hope right there. Last week we talked about that there's a lot in the world that's going on right now that certainly matches what scripture describes as the end times. We certainly have a lot of things that are going on right now like wars and rumors of wars and if you put on the news CNN or Fox News you hear almost every day about what's going on in China, what's going on in Russia and I'm going to talk about that a little bit during this message. We have a, a war that's still going on in Ukraine as they've been attacked by Russia and the Bible calls Russia actually it, it calls that nation out by name it calls it Rosh and there of course we know they've been in, in a war for, for quite a bit as they're attacked Ukraine. So that's going on. We have China and Russia having discussions even as we speak about aligning together as nations, training together. And the Bible talks about this happening in the last days. We have Iran, which is enriching uranium. And all of this fits into biblical prophecy. All of this that we discussed last week that a third of the Bible is prophecy. And a lot of this prophecy that's in the Bible has been fulfilled. And there's a lot of prophecy in the the Bible yet to be fulfilled. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And a lot of that prophecy is talking about the end times. And how many of you know, for us as Christians, everybody say this out loud. It is exciting. 
yeah, so I don't want you to be gripped with fear this morning as I talk about the end times. I want you to be gripped with hope and excitement and anticipation that Jesus is on his way, and man, this is a good thing. In Ezekiel 38, it directly talks about the alignment between Russia and China, and we need to pay attention to these two nations because it's really going to be very telling about the hour that we're in, and we are starting to see some of that take place as we speak. This message, again, I know it has the ability to freak you out, but I don't want it to freak you out. I want, I want this to encourage you that Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back for his bride. And how many of you know that's us right here in this room? Yeah. If you're looking around and you're concerned about the day or the hour that we're living in, I don't want you to feel like you're going crazy. That's rightly so that you would be concerned about it. But how many of you know our times are in his hands? Let's look at John 14, verse 1 to 3, and turn to Scripture this morning. Guys, if you hear anything that I'm saying this morning, I want you to hear this verse. And I want you to be encouraged with this. Do not let your hearts, everybody say, do not. not. Heart, do not let your, be troubled. But you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? How exciting that he's preparing a place for us as we speak. Man, I'm pumped about this. You know, Liz and I right now are house shopping in the natural. I'm not even excited about that house. I want my heavenly house. I'm ready for the mansion. Y'all ready? Let's just wrap it up. Come on, Jesus. And if I go and prepare a place for you, everybody say this with me. I will come back. Say that with me. I will come back. Jesus says there's a promise right there. And take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And a little fact on the location of Jesus' return. Jesus ascended into heaven on the Mount of Olives, and that's where he's going to be returning. So that verse is, is, is the why that we just read. He's coming back for his bride. That's why he's coming back. We tackled that last week. And, and, and we, we learned that it's because he longs for his bride, his church, that's us. It's a love story. That's why Jesus is coming back. He desires to be with us. So that was the why. This week, I want to discuss the what. Like, what's this going to look like? And then next week, I'm going to do the when. So the why, what, and the when. You see what I did there? Sure. Awesome. But I'm going to do my best in the next you know, 30 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it is, to cover the entire book of Revelation. <laughs> uh, everybody say good luck. No. So I'm going to try over the next 25, 30 minutes to cover this. I'm going to hit on really uh, six topics. But the book of Revelation, now it's important that you know this here at this church. We look at the original Greek because the Bible was written in that. Okay, so it's very difficult sometimes in English to understand. So we go back to the Greek. This is going to be a little teachy, but I promise you, you're going to like it, and it's going to equip you, I believe. Okay, awesome. So the book of Revelation in Greek is actually titled Apocalypsis. That's the Greek word, and it means apocalypse in English. The original manuscripts of the Bible, again, they're in Greek, so the direct interpretation of this word apocalypse means to reveal or unveil. That's really awesome. Because as we get closer to the end times, there's going to be more and more revelation. When you read Revelation, there's more and more clarity as you read through this. If you remember, the disciple John was on the island of Patmos, and Jesus appeared to him and showed him the book of Revelation. That's where the inspiration for the book of Revelation happened. So I just want you to know how this was penned and where this happened. It was when John was on the island of Patmos. 
And, and much of Revelation is super detailed, and it can be really confusing. It's often said that John was really the only one that had the full revelation, and I'm going to come back to that because John saw this image. He saw different things that he was shown, and I'm going to talk about the details of that and why we actually probably have some revelation even that John didn't have. But in between Revelation chapters 2 and 22, y'all tracking with me? In between Revelation 2 and 22, there's six major events that take place, and most of these are confusing, so I want to bring a little clarity to this as I've been studying this pretty hard for you. Um, you hold the only book, the Bible, that can accu accurately predict the future and these events. It's predicted the future with complete accuracy up until now, and how many of you know Scripture will continue to be accurate? You can trust the Bible, this book. But the first one in Revelations, this first event that I want to talk about, Revelations 2 to 3, is the moment, this is a time period that we're in right now, and I want to call this the church age, and I'll explain what that means. So the church age. This is a period before all the events that we're about to read about take place. So this is pre the stuff we're going to read. And again, we're starting to see some things take shape right now with these other nations like China and Russia and alignment. So I'm very suspicious about this time. Understand, every generation that went before us thought they were going to be the ones. How many of you grew up in church? You're like, you heard that. Yeah, that's a good thing. We need to remain hopeful. I really do believe, though, we're nine months pregnant. The water's about to break. I shared with you that with you last week. But this is the church age. This is, this is a playbook in Revelations 2 to 3 on how we are to get prepared as the church for the coming and the return of the Lord in the rapture. But how many of you know that much of the church is not ready for the return of Christ? In fact, I'm going to hit on this, and I'm not picking on any other church. I'm not picking on mega churches or any church of any size. But many times, the end times is ignored in teaching in church. Do you know why that is? Because we're not living holy. When you, listen, if you're ready for the Lord to come back, if you are truly equipped and ready, you're not afraid of this. You're longing for it. The only reason why you ignore this message is because it scares you. And the only reason why it should scare you is if you're in sin. Oh, oh shoot, I went there. Y'all can go home. Just go, go have lunch. That's, that's good. So the first event is the rapture of the church. Now, I mean, I'm sorry, is the church age. Now the rapture of the church. And here's the description of the rapture in Revelation 4.1. And check this out. There's, there's so much revelation in this. It, it was blowing my mind as I was studying it. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, and this is Jesus speaking, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, after Revelation 4, the church is not mentioned at all. That's the end of the mentioning of the church is Revelation chapter 4. You go, why is that? Now, I want to explain this as carefully and as anointed as I know how. There are two different groups of people. You've probably heard these arguments. We don't argue it here at this church, and we're not going to because the Bible says don't debate foolish things. But there is two different theologies. One is called pre-trib, and that's we're going to be raptured before the pre-trib. I want you to know I hope that's the case. And then there's post-tribbers that, oh man, we might be here for a little bit of the tribulation, or we might be here for its entirety, we're not sure. But there's two different theologies that talk about this. The church not being mentioned after Revelation 4, and there's also a verse in Thessalonians that I'm going to get to, that's why the pre-tribbers believe we'll be raptured before the tribulation, because that's the last mention of the church right there. 
Okay, this is why many Christians believe that. The tribulation is going to be, what is the tribulation? A time of sheer horror. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 9. Now, I want to say this. It's a time of sheer horror, but if you're in Christ, you have nothing to worry about. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 9. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. No one's going to have a clue. For every for for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Okay, so you're not going to have a heads up. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Anybody seeing that right now? Like we've got government saying it's going to be all right, everything's just fine. We talked about this last week. Well, it's not fine. So destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Guys, I don't want you as the church. That's why we're talking about this, to be surprised by this. You shouldn't be caught off guard as a Christian when the Lord comes back. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us be like others, and let us not be like others, sorry, who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, in other words, we belong to the light, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of our salvation as a helmet. I love this right here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to camp out here. For God did not appoint us, this is the church, to suffer wrath. You have to understand when you accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, you have been spared from wrath. Everybody say that's good news. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then that leads to the next event, which is the tribulation in Revelations 6, chapter 6 to chapter 19. This is where the wrath of God is poured out. And I want you to know that the wrath of God will be poured out, but as the church, you're exempt. This begins by the revealing of the Antichrist. Now, the Antichrist is not going to be called the Antichrist. This is going to be a politician or a famous person that brings peace to the Middle East for the first time. Guys, pay attention to that. Pay attention to current events. Pay attention to the news. Don't be an ignoramus. I want to encourage you. Watch the news. That's okay. Now, I'm not saying live off of it and get scared and be in fear. You should not be in fear. But the Antichrist is going to broker a deal between Israel and the Palestinians and allow Israel to rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount. And by the way, all preparations are in place for that right now. But then the Antichrist will promise Jewish people only to take it away three and a half years later, right in the middle of the tribulation, and then literally all hell breaks loose. 2 Thessalonians says that the Antichrist can't come until he that restrains him are taken from the earth. And this is why many believe that the church won't be here for the tribulation. Because who is it that restrains the Antichrist? It would be the church, right? The one who has Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Now, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. So that's where that theology comes from. And a lot of what John describes when he sees dragons and eagles and, and, and beasts, those are so, that's somewhat metaphoric teaching. You guys need to understand that. When he describes, like, is there going to be a dragon floating around the earth? Is there going to be a beast floating around the earth? Are there going to be eagles all over the place? You have to understand something about John. There's, there's going to be things that are metaphoric in explanation, and then there's going to be things that John saw that are through the lens of somebody 2,000 years ago. 
So it's like, okay, how would you describe a helicopter 2,000 years ago? Probably a dragon. <laughs> how would you describe a cell phone? How would you describe FaceTime? I was just talking, uh, Tom Siriano and I, Tom's here, and, and we were talking about how we, we remember watching the Jetsons, and they would like look at the screen, and we were like, wow, that's going to be amazing. And now we FaceTime each other on our phones all the time. So like, what was John seeing 2,000 years ago that we would have revelation and say, oh, that's a helicopter? Oh, that's an atomic bomb. Like, how, we don't know what he saw, but what we know is that he had this revelation and he's looking through the lens of someone 2,000 years ago. So John is seeing the end of time and he's doing his best to describe what he saw and penning this in the Bible through metaphoric description. And that leads us to the next event, the second coming of Christ in Revelations 19 to 20. Now, I want to say this, the rapture isn't the second coming of Christ. And I want to bring clarity to this. The second coming of Christ happens after the rapture. These are two separate events. Okay? There's the rapture, and then there's the return of Jesus. Two separate events. Everybody clear with me? Cool. Just give me a thumbs up or something there. And then Jesus comes back after the battle of Armageddon is complete. In Revelations 19, verses 11 to 16, I saw heaven standing open, and there was before me a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus, man, and we're going to get pumped about this verse. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe that's dipped in blood. That's the blood of Jesus. And his name is the word of God. His name is the word of God. Man, y'all need to get pumped about this. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean and coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, everybody say this, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can we give a shout to Jesus right there? And that's the last moment of the battle of Armageddon right there. How many of you know we win? righteousness wins righteousness prevails you go why are you so pumped because jesus wins and i'm on the side of jesus so then after that there's there's this party called the marriage supper of the lamb and this is a time where we're going to be pigging out and rejoicing i do that really well (laughs) tom was just like yeah that italian how you doing and then after that is the great white throne of judgment in revelations 20 John described this saying in Revelations 20, verses 11 to 12. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is called the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in records. Now, I want to talk about this because, man, I'm pumped about this moment right here. You go, why would you be pumped about judgment? You judging? Well, look, judgment's in the Bible. So I'm going to talk about it because it's in the Bible. But there are books. The books record all the things that are ever done wrong. And then there's the book, which if you know the Lord, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And that cancels out the books. How many of you know, I need to be in the book and so do you. This is good. This book is the book. It's the only book I care about. 
I'm going to do my best to remain in the book. Okay? I love that. So the book is called the Lamb's Book of Life, and your sins are paid and erased when you accept the Lord. That's it. Once your name is written in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life, it cancels out our deserved judgment from the books. I'm so grateful for that. And then that leads to the next event, the new heaven and the new earth in Revelations 21 to 22. I'm giving you these in order, by the way. The Bible describes in the last two chapters of Revelation a new heaven. So heaven looks different after all this is over and, and, and the earth is, is remade. It's, it looks different as well. It's back to the pre-sin Genesis 1 state that the earth was originally intended to be in. Rain won't be needed anymore. In Genesis 1, the earth was watered by underground springs. There's no more hurricanes. There's no more tornadoes. There's no more wars. There's no more sin. There's no more sickness. Can I get an amen from somebody who's with me on that? There's no more bills to pay. There's no more traffic on 485. The red hot button is always on at Krispy Kreme. Can I get somebody that says amen? Yeah, the lion and the lamb will literally lay down next to each. I get so excited about food, y'all. I can't. It's going to be a wedding feast, amen? I'm ready. Ruth's Chris, let's go. Ruth's Chris, open and free to every person. I like that's my own theology, but whatever. Every ethnic group will be here on earth and will be represented, and there will be no racism. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But you get to, I want to say this, that you get to choose your destiny right now. Do you want the books or do you want the book? I love this quote. and you, Some of you need to write this down in your notes and take it home. The hell is not a place God sends people he's mad at. Hell is a place that if you want to pay for your own sins, that's up to you. You can reject God, but his ways are so much better. Can I read that again? Hell is not a place that God sends people he's mad at. That's messing somebody's theology up right now. It's a place that if you want to pay for your own sins, that's up to you. You made that choice. You're going to reject God. Man, that's, that's, that's intense right there. Because there's many that are going to choose that. Why would you walk over free money? What? I'm not doing that. Revelations 19.7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding day of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's, that's us. That's the church. We're called the bride of Christ. And I want to ask you, are you a bride that's ready? Do you look spiritually like you're ready for the wedding day? We talked about that last week a little bit. Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are, are like the wedding coordinator's guide on how to get ready for us as the church. And so I want to spend the rest of this message, I'm almost done, talking about how do we get ourselves ready. Jesus communicated how to get ready in the form of seven churches out of modern day Turkey. You guys ready? Yes. Okay. The first is the church of Ephesus. This is revelatory, and you need to cling on to this because this, is, this applies to you. The shoe fits, wear it. You and me. First, he speaks to the church of Ephesus, okay? And this is, the, apply this to us today. He communicates that we need to get back to our first love. I remember dating Liz. We were super young. We're still super young, but we were super younger, and I remember the first time, I, can I just tell you, I, I saved myself for Liz, and Liz was the first and only girl I've ever been with, and I love you, babe. It was free. Um, but I remember, I remember what I felt when I first kissed her. I remember that pitter-patter butterfly love. I remember how pure it was, and, and you know, we didn't go any further than that. It was just a kiss, but I remember going, my God, if this is that good, I can't imagine what the rest is going to be like. God designed it. Y'all don't look at me like I'm a pervert. That's Jesus right there. You know, come on. Let's go. 
It's a marriage. It's a covenant. And man, I, I just, getting back to our first love, we have a religious perspective of this. But I want you to go to the purity of how it's intended. Do you know that we have a romance language with the Lord and it's pure? Yeah, David wrote love songs to the Lord. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, yet I hold this against you. This is to the church of Ephesus. You have forsaken the love that you have had at first. In other words, you fell away from when you first fell in love with me, Jesus is saying. Consider how far you've fallen away. Guys, church, I want you to consider, have you fallen away from the Lord? You go, well, you said, man, I want to keep my name in the book. Can your name, you know, I, look, I, there are certain things theologically that I don't have the answer for, but I can tell you I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live because how many of you know it's about relationship with the Lord, not just your name being written in the book. You're supposed to be pursuing this man that you're in love with, that you're not getting rid of sin because you're afraid of God. You're getting rid of sin because you're in love with God. Yeah, that happens when you have that pitter-patter love. You want to please. I want to please Liz because I love her. I don't not have an affair because I'm afraid of Liz. I don't have an affair because I'm in love with Liz. And my question to the church is, are you having an affair or maybe not having an affair because you're afraid of God or is it because you're in love with God? Wow. Am, I, am I spelling that out for y'all? Yeah. Trying to bring it on down. So he says, you've forsaken your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. I had somebody this week go, what does that mean? I said, I don't know, but I don't want that. <laughs> Right? I like to keep it simple. What does it mean to remove your lampstand? No clue. I just don't want my lampstand removed. I want to keep that lampstand. That lamp is important to me, y'all. Just keep the light on. Let's go. There's a hotel that used to say that. Then he talked to the church of Smyrna. Jesus tells them about remaining faithful in Revelations 2.10. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put you, some of you, in prison and test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as a victor's crown. What is that saying? Look, we're going to go through some stuff. And when we go through stuff, we have to remain faithful to the Lord. How many of you know when times are good, God's good. When times are bad, God's still good. That doesn't change. And he's saying remain faithful. Then he talks to the church at Pergamum. And he says, reject doctrinal extremes. I love this one. And some of you need to really listen to this. This is good teaching right here in Revelations 2, verses 14 to 15. Nevertheless, I have a few things now against you. There are some of you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. How many of you see sexual immorality all over the place in our society today? You go, well, what is the teaching of Balaam? We would say it like this in church today. Balaam would be like hyper grace. Like, hey, you go do what you want to do. You go sin. It's all good. God's forgiven you. How many of you know we got to live holy? If he's Jesus, our Savior, he then becomes our Lord. That gives him the authority. He says, don't do it. Now we got to be obedient. Y'all feeling me? Yeah. So he says, uh, this hyper grace thing that I'm seeing, yeah, I'm not happy about that. And then likewise, so that's one extreme, then likewise, you also have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And this was legalistic teaching. They were judgmental and they were hypercritical. And the Bible's saying these two things. It's saying, don't be 
hyper grace and it's saying don't be hyper judgmental and critical either it's saying i don't like those extremes so the bible says that jesus came into the world full of grace and truth grace invites us to be free so that the truth can set us free isn't that good but i love this line right here truth without grace is mean but grace without truth is meaningless I'm going to read that again so the light bulb will go off for every one of us because I had to read it a couple times myself. Truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless because it's the truth that sets us free. Then there was the church at Thyatira. I believe I'm saying that right. I'm not a scholar. I believe I'm saying that right. And that's you need to remove impurity. Jesus said in Revelations 2.20, and I hope somebody's being convicted by this right now. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. Can I tell y'all, we see lots of that in the church right now. Spirit of Jezebel, a perverted spirit. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. Because we'll have no other idols before him. That's one of the commandments. Amen. Then moving on, the church of Sardis, he says, Remove your, uh, renew rather your purpose. We're going to talk a lot about this next week, so I'm not going to camp out on this. Renewing your purpose. Revelations 2 verses uh, 3, I'm sorry, verses 2 to 3. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. And then the church of Philadelphia, I love this one. This is revere the word of God. This was the only church that Jesus had nothing negative to say about. He only thanked them. He said in Revelations 3, 8, I know your deeds. See, I have placed you before you an open door that no one can shut. Some translations say no man can shut. I know that you have little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. So you need to love and crave the word of God. And he was saying, I'm pleased that you have done that church. Nothing negative to say to the church of Philadelphia. And then we're going to end here with the church at Laodicea. And he says, repent for being lukewarm. And I'm going to camp out on this for a minute because I believe this is where we're at as the church. And why we're not ready for the return of Jesus. Revelations 3, verses 15 to 17. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, in other words, you accept maybe some things in my scripture, or you're trying to live holy and leave out the, the major sins, but you're still tolerating a little bit of sin. Like you're, you're kind of not, you're not hot or you're not cold. And then he says this, he says, so neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. In other words, I can't stand this. Like, choose, you're going to live for me or not. Make a choice and stick to it. Don't vacillate. That's good. But I love, I love this. He says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Oops. But I love how Jesus ends Revelation 3.20. He says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to eat with that person and they with me. That's what he says. And I love his invitation right there. In other words, I'm available to you, church. I'm accessible. 
And so here's my question for every one of us. And I asked myself this this week because I don't want y'all to think that I'm above this. This is written to, us, to me and, and, and I wear it just like y'all do. I look in the mirror with this. If Jesus were to come back right now, my question is this. Is he going to be like, ah, or is he going to be like, ugh? Like what's, what's the reaction going to be out of Jesus when he sees his bride, the church? I think right now the church is in a place that we're, we're flirting with sin. We're, we're not welcoming his presence like we should, even in our services. I'll say this because many times I hear the saints of God going, yeah, we don't let worship go on Sunday morning, but y'all don't worship Monday through Friday. Why are you expecting to just get in here and worship on Sunday? Worship is a lifestyle. I'll ask it like this to bring it down to earth. Are you spending time with the Lord every day? Do you have time with the Lord where it's good morning, Holy Spirit? I need you to speak to me. I need you to direct my day. I need you to convict me and show me the things that don't belong in my life that are in my life right now. Because, man, we talked about it last week that the, the church is the bride of Christ. And, man, a bride goes to the tanning salon and gets her nails done and all the waxing. And, oh my God, it's so complicated. And I, my, my thing is, are, are we ready as the bride that we're preparing for our husband? I want Jesus to come back and go, man, Adam, I'm looking at you. And you did everything you could. Well done, good and faithful servant. And it chokes me up because this is not a message that's a casual decision. This is a matter of life or death. Do you want the books or do you want the book? What does your relationship look like with Jesus? Are you trying to get in by the skinny skin skin of your teeth or do you have a, a relationship with God? Where you hear his voice on the reg and you go, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. I just want what you want. You know, God doesn't have needs. He has desires and he desires you. He desires fellowship. I love that because he's not using me. Somebody, if it's need driven, he's using them. He's not using me. He desires to eat with us. One more time, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person. In other words, I'll fellowship with them. And they have the ability to fellowship with me. And my question, church, is not is, is he fellowshipping with you? My question is, are you fellowshipping with him? Because he doesn't struggle making time for you. So with every eye closed this morning, here's the invitation if you don't know the Lord, I want to encourage you. Come up to me or Liz or Pastor Kieran and Laurel, Pastor Gary or Cindy, any of us, and say, Hi, I need to know more about this. How do I accept Jesus into my heart? How do I do this? Ask the person next to you. They'll probably know your name. Believe it or not, we got awesome neighbors in this church sitting next to you. And then my second question is this. For some of you, like, I've been saved 30 years. I've known the Lord. Well, let me ask you this. Are you walking with him? Are you fellowshipping with him? And let me ask you who really think you're living holy, are you pressing into Jesus as much as you ought to be? Are you desiring more and more time with the Lord? Because if you're not, if your schedule's taking over and dictating your schedule, you've got an issue. 
if, you're, if your calendar is dictating your schedule, you need to make time for Jesus because he desires you and you need to desire him. Father, I thank you that you're increasing our passion and our pursuit of you, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Father, that we would this week take every, every moment, every divine moment that we have to spread the message of you to those that are at Starbucks and our waitresses and our waiters and every person we come into contact with, Father. Anoint us, Jesus, this week. And Father, I ask that we would, as a church, pull closer to you. That would be like that church of Philadelphia that presses into your word and you go, man, well done. In Jesus' name, Father, we recognize the serious of the hour. We recognize the seriousness of the day. We ask you to convict us in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would you just say amen? You know, church, the reason why I'm doing this series, again, I'm not trying to Bible thump anybody, but we've got we've to not ignore this because I believe at any moment, just like that, it could happen. We come up with excuses all the time. Well, I think he's going to come back in 2000, you know, whatever. I don't think we're ready for this. Guys, nobody knows the day or the hour. And you need to take it seriously today to live holy today and then every day thereafter. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. amen. Father, I thank you for the best week ever. Lord, let us be carriers of your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. amen. Guys, love you. We'll see you next week. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.